raise the cross of Jesus, lift it high above, that the world may find there Christ, the Lord of love. Fill the earth with music, sound aloud his praise. Give to all your witness, Jesus Christ will save. That is our charge today through the story so aptly retold for us by Wendy. It's hard to come after her and know you won't get accents from me. Give to all your witness, Jesus Christ will save. Before we dive in, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear and hearts that obey. Guide my words and open our eyes to your truth. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Good morning. I am Peter Smith, a member here at Faith Covenant. Today we continue our series through the book of Acts, Acts 5. Remember where we have been? In chapter 1, Jesus appeared to his disciples and then was taken up into heaven. And before Jesus left, he told the disciples, don't go anywhere, stay here until you receive my gift, the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 2 came Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and the church was born. So in chapter 3, we see the beginning of their ministry. Peter and John go to the temple and heal a lame man. The people think they are gods, but Peter and John use it as an opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ. And last week in chapter 4, we were introduced to the opposition. Peter and John are thrown into prison for the night, dragged before the religious leaders the next day, questioned and commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Do you remember how they responded? First, Peter declared, as we see in Acts 4, 18 to 20, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We must be witnesses. We must obey God. Second, the believers prayed not for comfort, not for God to ease their way, but instead they prayed, now Lord, verse 29 in chapter four, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, for boldness. They were told not to share Christ. And in the next chapter, chapter five, we find the apostles and believers returning to the temple, meeting together and proclaiming Christ's name with signs and wonders. Talk about boldness. We are told in verses 14 and 16 of chapter five that more and more men and women believed. And not only that, but crowds gathered, crowds from the towns around Jerusalem. This is not a secret underground operation. This is crowds gathering around the temple to be ministered to by Peter and the apostles. In our text today, I want to look at what God does and why, and then the apostles' response. So starting in Acts 5.17, 
Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Human motivation here, the religious leaders are jealous. Jealous of the attention the apostles are getting. So they throw them into prison. Not just Peter and John. We are told this time it is the apostles. But a little deja vu, isn't it? Didn't this just happen in chapter 4? Acts 4.3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. At the last encounter, Peter and John had to spend the entire night stuck in prison. But this chapter is a little different. Back to chapter 5, verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. This time, the apostles get to walk out early due to God's miraculous intervention. So what does God do? God releases them from prison. How come God leaves them in prison overnight the first time and this time gets them out early? Is it because they have better prayer coverage? Is it because they're better aligned with his will this time? Does the answer to their prayer for boldness include a get out of jail free card? Is God working during one jail stay and not the other? This variation in jail time experience and release method might seem like a small point. But things like this bother us, especially when it happens in our own life. When we pray, when we seek God to intervene and work in our life, in our family's life, in our friends' lives, he sometimes answers us differently than he does someone else. One friend prays for healing and gets better. Another one never recovers. Later in Acts, there will be more times in prison. And, spoiler alert, there will be other dramatic jail escapes. But, though Paul and Silas can pray and sing while the walls fall down around them, we also find out that Paul is imprisoned for years, and Peter, and John, the list goes on. So in Acts 4, they spend the night in prison. In Acts 5, an angel opens the door and releases them early. Why? We could guess. We could theorize that it is to make their statement to the Sanhedrin more dramatic because of their miraculous release. But for now, let's leave it right here. God frees us in his way, in his timing, for his purposes. Sometimes you sit in prison for the night. Sometimes an angel shows up and opens the doors. God works his plans. And what is this plan? What are they told to do? An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. God released them from prison so they could share about the new life they had in Christ. Back in Matthew 4, we are told Jesus begins his ministry by preaching, repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now we see the church being called to continue this ministry, to continue proclaiming the news that the kingdom of heaven is near. Christ came, died, and rose again. This changes everything, and they are called to declare it. Go tell the people all about this new life. I love how it is phrased. The message they have, sh they have to share is an all-encompassing, life-changing message. This is not just a new philosophy or a new idea. It's not tell them that Jesus is the anointed king, the Messiah. It's, hey people, you can have a new life. Totally different. Are we aware of this new life? You are loved. You are worth loving. Because of Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven of everything. Through his love and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need to live a joy-filled life, pleasing to God. To those of you who have opened your hearts to him, you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life, living inside you, giving you power to control your desires, to heal relationships, to be kind even when you're hurt, the power to change people's hearts. We can have a life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is incredible. The world is filled with lonely, hurting people. Read the news. Talk to your neighbors. In the midst of this broken world, through the power of Christ Jesus, we can experience a life of love and joy and peace. This is a new life. I have fun imagining that morning, back to our text, verse 21. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the temp captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, or as another translation put it, someone arrived with startling news. Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. So we have from God, go tell the people all about this new life. And from the Sanhedrin, we command you not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. 
Notice what is getting them in trouble. The name of Jesus. The declaration that there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I expect the Sanhedrin would have been okay if, after releasing them back in chapter 4, the apostles had gone home, quietly lived moral lives, worked their jobs, mowed their lawns, and raised their kids. The Sanhedrin were not upset about the Christians sharing possessions and giving to the poor. No, what is causing the conflict is the apostles' determination to continue to proclaim publicly that Jesus Christ is the reason they do all this. That Jesus Christ is God risen from the dead. That Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, the only way to have new life, life to the full. The apostles in the early church and the opposition they faced in the time of Acts, is it different from what we face today? Here in America, we assemble freely and don't fear arrest and floggings. But the similarities are so strong. Our culture today is happy for us to meet together to worship, pray, distribute food, teach our kids, and love our neighbor. We can even potentially be popular, accepted Christians doing that. But brothers and sister, our message is opposed today just as strongly as it was back then. The world has room for nice people living decent lives. But the name of Christ demands a decision the world does not want to make. I think our society wants to tell us like the apostles were told by the Sanhedrin, you can go, just don't mention the name of Christ. So we live good lives, and our neighbors and coworkers appreciate it. But rather than risk persecution or ridicule, we keep quiet about Jesus Christ. When someone at work is in need, we mention care or love or concern. Do we mention Jesus Christ? Do, we real, do others realize that we love them because we are Christ followers? And because of that love, want them to make a decision that is vital. Will you accept or reject Jesus Christ? I fear the church in this culture is sometimes focused on the wrong things. We fight for cause A or cause B. We align with political mo movements or social causes or local needs. And all those may be good things, but are we also proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ? In the midst of everything else, have we lost the key message? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the message. It is not optional. Everything else is secondary. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ changes us. Jesus Christ gives us new life. 
That is who we must share with our neighbors, our friends, our family, and the world. Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to spend some time identifying how your life is different from what it could be or might have been without Christ. By the way, that's called your testimony, how Christ has changed your life. And then with our testimony, God calls us to boldly proclaim, as Peter does, that our lives are transformed because of the work of Jesus Christ, who demands exclusive allegiance as the one and only God, the one and only way to salvation. Back to our passage, I'd like to note how the disciples responded. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestor ra ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him in his own right, to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The apostles, they obeyed God and they shared Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin had given them the apostles a command, stop using the name of Jesus Christ. And the apostles' response, it's almost funny. Not only did the apostles say, oh no, we can't do that, but they immediately launched into a proclamation that Jesus is God and Prince and Savior. They didn't miss a beat. We are given this choice every day. Will we keep quiet or speak up? Will we follow God or conform to the culture around us? Do we say, God has blessed me like this? Jesus Christ has changed me like this. Because of the Holy Spirit's work in my life, I am different in this way. Do we share our testimony of our new life because of Jesus Christ? Do we invite others to respond, to accept this new life? Or do we keep quiet, afraid of the consequences? It may feel awkward or uncomfortable, but that is why we pray for boldness. As Pastor Nate shared last week, his point number one was, the church receives courage through the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus as the only way of salvation. We need that courage today. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. May the power of the Holy Spirit give us the boldness to do just that. Notice how the apostles immediately faced opposition. Verse 33, when they heard this, they, the members of the Sanhedrin, were furious and wanted to put them to death. In face of such strong opposition, how could the apostles obey and share? How can we share when we face opposition? Ironically, the answer is given by a member of the Sanhedrin. I love this speech 
a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, carefully consider what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. How could the apostles go on in face of opposition? Because they were on the right side, God's side. Peter could declare, we must obey God because regardless of whether God left them in prison all night or for years or sent an angel to release them, they were declaring new life. Because if we obey God, if we are part of what God is doing, if God is at work, there is nothing that can stop us. It is God who is fulfilling his plan, his plan to glorify himself, to show his goodness by giving us new life. If God is the creator, if Christ rose from the dead, if the Holy Spirit is alive and working, if we recognize our new life in him, how can we do anything but declare him savior, no matter the consequences? And there are consequences. Back to verse 40, his, Gamaliel's speech, persuaded them not to kill the apostles. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles obeyed, they shared Jesus Christ, and bad stuff happens. They are flogged. Did they get it right? Were they following God? Look how the apostles responded. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I note, not just pain, but disgrace. That's what we potentially face, isn't it? Disgrace. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. How did they respond? They rejoiced. They didn't say, God obviously doesn't love us. Look what went wrong. No, they saw the opposition. They saw the disgrace as confirmation of their new life in Christ Jesus, a tangible result of being aligned with him. And they continued to proclaim the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, boldly, publicly, in the temple courts and in homes, day after day. That is the mission the church is called to continue, boldly, publicly, at church and in homes, at work and at school, 
The church is called to proclaim the good news of new life because of Jesus Christ. So friends, how do we respond? First, have you personally accepted the life-changing love and forgiveness Jesus Christ offers you? If not, then take that step today. Talk with Pastor Nate or myself or another Christian. We would be thrilled to talk and pray with you. And if you already have claimed the new life in Jesus Christ, are you ready to share how he has changed you? We have been free to proclaim Jesus Christ. Do you have your testimony ready? I love the sermon series we did this year during Lent, Stories of Grace. Remember it? Members of our church sharing their personal testimonies of how Jesus Christ had made a difference in their life. Dramatic stories, like the life-changing testimony of Lloyd's father, and everyday stories, like Emily Langan's powerful message, Ordinary Acts of Grace from an Extraordinary God. Each of us should be ready to tell others how Jesus Christ gives us new life. Our stories may be different. Some of us spend the night in prison. Others are miraculously released early. But we can all point to God's new life and the difference it has made. And let me encourage you, if you cannot see how your life is new, how you are different because of Jesus Christ, get together with someone and talk and pray about it. And if you do know how it is different, share it. God has freed us to share the new life found in Christ Jesus. Raise the cross of Jesus, lift it high above, that the world may find there, Christ, the Lord of love. Fill the earth with music, sound aloud his praise. Give to all your witness, Jesus Christ will save.